0: Hello and welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything, where we give you the tips, scripts, stories, and steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. I'm your host, Dr. Robin Silverman, Child and Teen Development Specialist, author and speaker, and as you know, parent of two great kids who give me the opportunity to love, learn, and grow every single day, whether I want to or not. I know it's not easy. I'm living it with you. Thankfully, we have a lot of amazing people to call on who can help us navigate everyday challenges. Now, how do you unlock the power of less in a world that often screams more, more, more? And how do we teach our children that less really? is more. Less gives us everything we need and everything we could ever have wanted. To talk about this very topic, the topic of resourcefulness, we have the privilege to have Scott Sunnenshine on the show today. Scott Sunnenshine is the Henry Gardner Simmons Professor of Management at Rice University. Scott's research uses experiments and surveys to decipher how some people succeed with so little while others falter with so much. What makes people so resourceful? How can we all learn to stretch? Scott's expertise and perspectives have been sought out by a variety of media media outlets, including the New York Times, Chicago Tribune, Time Magazine, Fast Company, Harvard Business Review, as well as local television and radio. He has a new book out called Stretch, Unlock the Power of Less and Achieve More Than You Ever Imagined, a great book. He lives in Houston, Texas with his two daughters and wife, Randy. You can learn more about Scott at ScottSunnenshine.com so now is the time it's nine o'clock and all is well please kindly put away all of your possible distractions if possible so that we can turn our attention to our guest of honor who has taken time out of his busy schedule to hang out inspire us and give us some concrete tools that we can use right away and put in our parenting belt scott sun thank you so much for joining us on how to talk to kids about anything
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: Well, we are thrilled to have you. Thank you so very much for being here. Now, before we get into the meat of the matter, for those people who haven't had the opportunity to meet you, to read your new book, to listen to you speak, would you just take a moment to tell us what gets you up in the morning? What are you passionate about? And why are you talking so much about stretching and resourcefulness?
1: Yeah, no, I'm uh, always excited that... Uh, to, to get up in the morning and uh, uh, it was uh, take my kids into to school and uh, we always get up to a, a good start and have that uh, nice uh, 20 minutes uh, to ourselves in the morning mm-hmm. and then I uh, start my, my regular job at work which is here at Rice University where I'm a professor who focuses on issues around organizational psychology and I do a lot of work on the research side where I do my own uh, research which is the basis for stretch as well as teach uh, in our programs here at rice
0: oh excellent it's it's awesome so i know that um obviously you've been doing a lot around adults and stretching and resourcefulness and we're so grateful this morning that you're stretching your topic to talk to us about children and teens so since we're looking through the lens of children how does this idea of resourcefulness apply to children in other words why is it important to raise resourceful children
1: yeah, and that's a great question. Of course, in in the book, I I actually do uh, talk about mm-hmm. some some of the research was was done with children, right. and there's a lot of interesting things uh, to talk about with resourceful children. Uh, for those who are not familiar with the term, I should start off by saying res- uh, being resourceful is really about doing more with what you already have, oh. and oftentimes we see this in all aspects of our lives, and I think I think we see this especially uh, for for those of us who are parents is. Our default to solving problems is too often to go seek out more. Our children are bored. Uh, Go buy them another toy or something. Mm -hmm. Um, You don't have the right tool around. Go find that other tool. And when we're stretching, we are looking for things that are already in our houses and trying to use them in more creative ways. And I think there's no better uh, place to start than to think about children who are naturally born resourceful. You uh, leave a, a pot around for a two-year-old and they're going to have lots of creative ways of using that pot uh, that don't involve cooking. They're going to you know, bang on it. Uh, they're going to uh, play games with it. They're going to do all kinds of creative things that as we grow up, as we become adults, as we become socialized at work and outside of work, we tend to lose that innate creativity that we have to use objects in different ways. So. Raising resourceful kids is something we should talk about, but Mm -hmm. there's the other side of this, which is what can we learn from our children in terms of how they approach the objects and the tools around them uh, and try and recapture some of that that we started with.
0: Oh, I love that. I love that. I know you say in your book, we routinely overestimate the importance of acquiring resources, but even more significantly underestimate our ability to make more out of those we have. And we're always looking for really good tips to raise awesome kids. So in this case, resourceful kids who stretch. So what are some good tips for raising resourceful kids?
1: I know this one is hard and my wife and I are always having this uh, discussion, but it's really important to say no to children. Mm. And there's a sense that we want to provide for our children. And if we're in fortunate circumstances where we could give them the things that they want um, the value of saying no goes a long way because it, it has two two important consequences. The first consequence is when we say no, we're teaching children to break a dependence on needing more to find satisfaction and happiness in life. Because I, you know, I, I think most parents have this have this same uh, experience where, oh, you know, I, I learned about the new toy, or my friend has this this new thing that I want. I want that too Mm -hmm. and we often want to say yes because we want to we want to be providing and we want to uh, uh, make our children happy but what we do every time we keep saying yes is we create this dependence that uh, their satisfaction is linked to having new things Mm -hmm. so that's that's one that's one reason why you want to say no Uh, the second as uh, we talked a little about is children are usually innately very creative. Creative in the sense of being able to see the resources around them in lots of different ways because they haven't been fully socialized. And when we keep saying yes to all of their requests, we're taking away that space that they can use to work with what they already have in creative ways because we keep giving them new things to solve their new problems, whether it be I'm bored right now or I want this thing. So we we, we rob them of that natural innate, what we what researchers call little, little C creativity, the creativity we use to solve everyday problems mm. every time we say yes. So we don't want to say no all the time, but there's something to be said about raising resourceful children with the occasional no.
0: Mm. And, you know, I mean, we live in a world where there's a lot of... Consumerism, these kids are, they have commercials and uh, talking to friends, and everything is in on what do they need. The more, the more. They need it bigger, they need it faster, they need more of it. And so it becomes very challenging to say no. I know in your book you talk about this concept of chasing. Is that, is that the kind of thing that we're talking about? What is that chasing that you, you say in your book?
1: Chasing is the idea that we, the more resources we have, the better results we can get. And this gets manifested through how we compare ourselves to other people. So what do our children's friends have? Mm-hmm. And how might that impact what we want to give them, so mm-hmm. someone gets a new it always takes one person as you know children get into around i guess middle school by now. My kids are, are four and nine, so we're not quite there yet, mm-hmm. but I know for my older one we'll be there soon is who gets the first phone uh-huh. and then who gets the first iphone and then once that happens, you end up with this with this chasing because well so and so has a has an iPhone why can't I have one and that's that's endemic in the way that uh, we live our lives not just with our children, but more generally. And what we want to be really mindful of is who our quote-unquote neighbors are, because a lot of our sense of how we're doing is in relationship to other people. The, the The mind likes to make these natural social comparisons. And if we put ourselves in situations where our children are hanging out with people who are always pushing for the newest and the latest and the greatest, it's going to be really hard for both them and for ourselves, quite frankly, to always say, no, you know, your friends can have this but but you can't. We, our natural reaction is, well, we must be really bad parents because look at what these other parents are doing for their children. So I'd like to give the advice of it's really important to think who your quote-unquote neighbors are and where you're spending the most time and are those people have the same type of values that you have. And if they if they don't, it's really hard because of these natural comparisons that we make.
0: So we need to advise our our friends, our families, our parents to make sure that they widen their social circles, perhaps get out there a little bit and make sure that they have friendship groups that support the value of resourcefulness. And perhaps people who um, operate with less Or maybe give more to others give more they get a lot of their satisfaction by maybe giving more to charity or um, perhaps contributing somewhere to their community would that be something that's helpful
1: right children are very perceptive and we tend to forget that they really soak up information like sponges Mm -hmm. and they look around and they learn not just Uh, from us as parents, but they learn from other children and they learn from interactions that those children have with their parents. And as good of an effort as we might make to raise really upstanding, resourceful... uh, children Mm -hmm. a lot of that socialization happens when we're not around because they spend a lot of time in school and they spend time with with other people so it's really important to be mindful of what type of environment we're putting them in
0: i love that and we can be purposeful about that i mean you know we live obviously on the street that we live and the kids go to the school that they go to. But even if they um, are doing those things, we can still bring them to other areas and still get them exposed to other communities and other types of people to stretch their perception of what people do and how resourceful people can be.
1: Right, and that's one of the the tips that I also have in the book is this idea of taking field trips. And we can take you know field trips metaphorically with our children and put them in situations where they normally wouldn't be so they can learn about things in different ways. So it was one quick example, I love taking my kids to the hardware store. And I learned this accidentally. It wasn't something I was doing on purpose, but I needed to go to the hardware store. And I said, Do you guys want to come? And they said, yes. And now we like to take uh, occasional trips there. And uh, they like playing with all of the different equipment and the different stuff in there. And you wouldn't think that that would rival the toy store, but they have just as much fun in there. And they know that they're not going to leave with a huge bathtub.
0: (laughs) This is true. You can't fit that one in the bag. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Love that. And I think that's a great idea. We also, we we do things like we take the kids to uh, the pet store, you know, or to the um, pet shelter. Then they get to just play with the, the animals, but they're not expecting to take anything. And in fact, we like to have for our, for birthdays, we don't have them get any presents from their friends. We ask that our child picks a charity and their friends all bring items that will help that particular charity, whether it's uh, the pet shelter or my daughter, we're having a birthday party for her and it's uh, around the hospital and getting gifts for the kids who are in the hospital. So their, their idea then is to, instead of consume more, how can I give more? And I would imagine that that might help with the resourcefulness as well. Do you think that contributing to society can help that?
1: Absolutely, because it's really, again, teaching children that it's not so much what you have, it's what you do with what you have, and you can do a lot of good with what you have, and you don't constantly need new and more to do things. You can get a lot of satisfaction and meaning out of giving to to other people. And I love your example of what you do with your birthday party because too often what you see is, you know, one person has a birthday party somewhere and then everyone else wants to have the same party. Mm -hmm. But what's interesting is, again, there's there's this idea that if you can do things with more novelty, you actually end up creating more satisfaction even if it Mm -hmm. costs less money. Like for my older daughter's uh, last birthday when she turned nine uh, this past summer, Instead of having the traditional party like everyone else did, mm-hmm. uh, we did a scavenger hunt. Ooh. And as part of that scavenger hunt, they had to go forage the park for different types of materials. And then they had to take those materials and like in one exercise, they needed to turn it into something that would sustain dropping an egg from about 10 feet. Wow. And they all love this because... One again, children are naturally creative, and they want to use that creativity. And too often, we see, uh, whether it be at home or even, unfortunately, sometimes in schools, that we socialize that creativity out of them because we teach them that you know being conventional is is important, or we teach them that you know things get used in a certain way. And all of the kids who were at the party absolutely loved that party because what a great one! They had never been to something like this before, so they had that novelty factor. But two, this was just unlocking what they naturally want to do which is you know experiment with things try new things do things in different ways and uh, the biggest compliment i think i've ever gotten on a birthday party they've done for my daughter was uh, you know this was quote the best day of her life
0: oh, oh that is a huge compliment that's great um did you come up with that or did your how did that come about this idea of this sort of stripped down birthday party using using conventional materials that you just find along the way in the park or wherever else
1: Well my daughter told me that she wanted to do something a little differently and we just had a conversation about what that would look like. And I think it was probably her who suggested, well, let's let's do it as a scavenger hunt. Exactly. And then I said, well, let's not just do it as a scavenger hunt. Let's make the entire birthday party a scavenger hunt where you get different clues and that tells you what you're actually going to be doing next, whether it be the egg contest or it's time for birthday cake, and each activity was based off of different clues that they had to solve. So they're trying to crack different codes and they're trying to do different things. So it was largely a dialogue. And that's another important tip, I guess, is our children are often full of really good ideas. We just need to listen to them better and realize that because they haven't fully been socialized to be conventional, they're gonna come up with some great things that we never thought about. And a lot of the content of the party was driven by my older daughter's ideas.
0: You know, it, it keeps striking me that each time you're talking about resourcefulness, some kind of creativity winds up getting mixed in there. It looks like they're almost um, unable to be separated, that somebody who is resourceful is somebody who also exercises that creativity muscle. How would you respond to that?
1: Right. So there's a, a couple of things to, to keep in mind. Uh, resourcefulness is one f- or I should say creativity is is needed to be resourceful. The way that psychologists tend to measure or think about creativity is, it's often a cognitive construct. Mm -hmm. So it's something that we think about in our minds, but resourcefulness is fundamentally about doing things. So it's about taking what we think in our minds and doing it to the resources around us. So obviously creativity is an important part of that because we wanna think about our resources in different ways. And then the other important distinction to keep in mind is when we think of creativity, often we think of people doing amazing works like famous artists mm-hmm. or musicians. But there's also what psychologists call little c creativity. And that's the type of creativity we use to resolve everyday problems and situations. And that's something that we're all capable of, even if most of us will not turn out to be like Monet or Da Vinci.
0: So it's more the, just something that you use every day, not the stroke of genius, but something right. to get you maybe out of a small bind or how to keep you, from, enter, keep you entertained without being bored, something like that. Exactly. Okay. All right. So the parents that we speak with, they love when our experts... Take them through talking about this with their children. So if you could imagine you're sitting in front of your child, your four-year-old, your nine-year-old, whomever, and you want to introduce this concept of being more resourceful. Perhaps, you know, maybe a parent has been one of the parents who've been saying yes to everything. You know, they've been, you know, they've gotten sort of stuck in the, you know, keeping up with the Joneses and they want to introduce it. So take us through what you would actually say to a child about this concept. How would you introduce it, and what would you do?
1: Yeah, and I don't think you need to directly talk about resourcefulness, but I think all children recognize that people have different things and that naturally they want the things that that other people have. But I like to direct my children to focus on, on doing something. Mm-hmm. So, for example, they want a new toy. I might say why don't we start off by looking inside your closet or your toy chest and let's try and play a game. And I'll try and turn turn this into some type of experience to get their mind actually off of the thing that they want. And then what I would do next is I would try and give them some verbal cues think about what they already have in different ways. So this could be a simple, one of the the parts of stretch, I have a chapter on these unthinkable combinations. What happens when you put two things together that wouldn't naturally go together? And what better domain to think about this than in the context of toys? Like, you know, what would happen, for example, if today Elsa got some new Shopkins? Ooh. And then kind of, you know, take two toys that might have been played with already and might seem really bored, but then you put them together in that novel combination, all of a sudden, Elsa has a new toy, and that's really exciting.
0: Oh, that is an awesome idea! I love that and will be using that myself. For sure. That is awesome. I love, you know, I have a boy and a girl. um, One, My girl just turned eight. My son is six. And, uh, you know, my son loves to build buildings. And, you know, out of magnet tiles and, and Legos. And I can imagine there's a lot of combinations that you could use using a building plus something else you know, that enters the building or, um, you know, my daughter does a lot with uh, her dolls and um, but also loves to read. So now she started to read to her dolls. She started to, you know, use her dolls in some unique ways. And I I think that's a great idea is that you can put some combinations together. I love the Elsa, the Shopkins. That's hilarious. Right. And
1: it's and it's not just about solving the problem of, you know, oh, boy, I, I just dodged the bullet. I don't have to go get my child something else. But look at the skills that we're teaching them. Another useful in life. I mean, one is we're, we're reaffirming this idea of play, which I think mm-hmm. gets all too lost, especially the way a lot of public schools are are going in terms of taking away stuff like music and well, the arts and focusing sure. so much on, on reading and math. But we're also, besides that natural play, which is very healthy on, in lots of respects, we're also just teaching them how to start looking at things in different ways and realizing that, wow, I actually have a lot more here than I really thought I did. And I used to be bored with these things. And now I'm not bored with these things. And that's something that you carry over with you, not just when you're a young child, but as you grow up and you develop into an adolescent and eventually uh, an adult.
0: So what happens if, you know, you're a parent who? has a lot of stuff themselves i mean you know we have to we have to look at ourselves in this we're talking about working with our children on it but what do we do for ourselves then if we are trying to raise resourceful children what do you do you suggest for the parent to do when they're looking inward at themselves is there questions they should ask themselves or is there something they should be doing
1: well i think it's important to ask the questions of whether or not we 're raising our children in ways that espouse the same values that we espouse, mm-hmm. and I think again, children are really smart and clever, and they can pick up on if their parents are chasing and they 're trying to uh, instill stretching children so mm-hmm. they they will see these contradictions, and I think it's it 's always hard to raise children in ways that we don 't live so my advice to parents is to you know think hard about what type of life that they want to live as well and whether or not they find that they're chasing in aspects of their lives. And it's hard not to communicate that same type of chasing mentality to our children if we're raising them in a household that endorses it.
0: Right. My daughter just asked me the other day, what does monkey see, monkey do mean?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> and I think this is, exactly, this is ex- exactly it, you know, because so much of the time we don't want To, you know, spoil our children. We don't want to buy them the next thing. It shouldn't be about bigger and faster and more. And yet, when we look inward at ourselves, do we have all the latest gadgets? You know, what are we, you know, what are we doing with our money and our time? And are we showing? Are we modeling the resourcefulness the creativity that we hope our children are absorbing and using themselves and so i think what you're you're really hitting on here is that we have to ask ourselves if we're raising our children in the way that we are already living and if so is it is it reflecting the values that we really want to instill in them exactly so tell me What is the one tip if there was just one that you wanted parents to come away with in talking to their kids about resourcefulness, in helping them to become more resourceful? What would you tell a parent to employ with their child or perhaps with the family with regard to resourcefulness?
1: There's a strong body of evidence that shows the type of generativity that can come from scarcity. And I think as parents, We're naturally conditioned to want to create environments that don't have scarcity. We want the very best for our children. And I think that's a very natural reaction Mm -hmm. that most people have. But I think there's something to be said about occasionally setting limitations, whether it be in the form of saying no to a request or setting some other type of constraint on a child, whether it be about time, Mm -hmm. uh, to teach them that when we have our backs against the wall, sometimes we can do our best work, mm-hmm. and I think you know the protectionist parents and all of us want to try and avoid those situations. But if we can put them in those situations uh, and they can see that they actually can do a lot, it, it not only teaches them the power of resourcefulness, but they are inevitably uh, going to face circumstances that are, are difficult, whether it's when they're off to college or even beforehand or when they're you know, starting their, their careers or their own families. And it would be great to have those first experiences happen under our watchful eyes where we can help provide them with the support. And I think oftentimes we want to call our children all the time and shield them from failure or shield them from setbacks or stuff like that. but these are a natural part of growing up and these are things that no matter how successful we are, we're going to have these types of setbacks. So if we can do that at home, I think that would be, uh, that would be terrific. I'll share one, uh, quick anecdote. If, uh, oh, if yes, we have time please. about, uh, about, uh, I, I love what my, uh, my wife's mother did for her. She, my wife was a, a very good, uh, student in, in high school and she got, Basically perfect grades, and she ended up going off to uh, Stanford and being her college valedictorian. But her mother said right before you know her last last quarter of uh, high school said, you know, you've really never failed at anything in your life, and I'm going to make you intentionally fail a class. You're Oof. going to. I'm not going to take you into school. You're going to be late to school. You're not gonna. You're not going to show up. You know. You're not going to study for the test and you're just not going to do well and i think she ended up with a with a c in the course mm-hmm. uh, which for a straight a student obviously was yes, was a was a big good. deal yes uh, but she talks so fondly of that moment right now because you know when she went off to college Things were a lot harder than they were in high school, mm-hmm. and she had had this experience of a setback and realized that she was naturally resilient and able to persevere despite what seemed like the end was falling out. And it you know it seemed like you know things were falling apart for her when she didn't do well in that class, and that was such an important experience for her. And I think too often as parents. We're so protective of our children and I think we have good reason to be, but we also want to set up these spaces where they can have some of these setbacks or face some of these constraints because that's just a natural part of life.
0: I think that's really intuitive, and we just uh, we just had a podcast with Jessica Leahy, who wrote The Gift of Failure, um, and she talks a lot about the importance of failing, the importance of allowing your children to fail, because at the end of the day, when they fail, they realize that nothing really terrible happens, and that they are able to do something to help themselves, and that they've got this. I mean, they can do it. We don't need to rescue them all the time. They can get through it. They can fail. They can get back up, and they can start again. I really think that's important. What you're saying and what that fabulous story about your wife's mother—I think that's hilarious. Uh, that that she made her fail because, you know, once we have that experience, I know plenty of children who who haven't failed, and then once they get a B. They are just a disaster. Uh, we've seen that many, many times, and it's, it's really important that they can fail, I think, as you're saying, when the stakes are low, when they're still in the house, when they're there where we can give them support so that they can employ these, these concepts, they can employ these tips when the stakes are high and they're not with you.
1: Right, and I'll tell you, her mother was not very popular then, but she's very much appreciated right now.
0: (laughs) Yes, I bet you she is. It's always a retrospect, like when you, you can see it from the future, but we don't have that capacity when we're in the moment. We're like, what are you doing, Mom? So thank you so much. I'd love for you to give us the resource of the week, so how our listeners can find out more about you, your work, and what you've been up to right now. Maybe they can even hear more of you speaking on this topic. So where would they go in order to get this information?
1: You can go to my website, which is www.scottsonenshine.com. And that's simply S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-E-N-S-H-E-I-N. We've got some uh, neat videos there that introduce the book Stretch. I've got some other articles up there about stretching and various aspects of our work and of our lives. And there's also a nice quiz up there where you can test your stretch and see how much you know about being resourceful.
0: Ooh, we love a good quiz there. We love a good quiz. That can be really helpful to give us some idea of where we fall and maybe some things that we can do. And I hope that everybody got a lot from this podcast. Listening to you, for me, as a, as a parent of a, of a six-year-old and an eight-year-old, I know that I'm going to be talking more about this with my children, and I feel like there's some good things that we're going to be able to do. I love that unthinkable combination. I think we can probably really challenge our children to figure out what two things you can put together in their toy chests in order to uh, have a little fun with what was typical in the past and now will be something new and creative. I'm really excited about that. So thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thanks for having me again.
0: So everybody, I, I hope you have your takeaways. I certainly do. I can't wait to hear about them. So please come up to Facebook.com. You can come up to DrRobinSilverman.com. You can go up to Facebook and go to Dr. Robin Silverman. And we're going to be talking about this. We're going to be talking about how you're resourceful at home, what tips you got from this podcast that you loved. And we're going to be talking about it because we it's great when we can share our ideas go up on Twitter, you can get me, you can get Scott on there, and we can talk about it there. And if you love this podcast like I did, please go up to iTunes and rate and review it so we can share this outstanding work with other people who can benefit. I want them to know about Scott and his great work. This is new, this is interesting, and we've got some really solid tips that we can use right away. So that's all the time we have for today, although I feel like I could spend all day with our guests still talking about this. Thank you so much for tuning in to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, curriculum, or this podcast, please visit DrRobinSilverman.com. And remember, even when it seems like nothing's going right, I hope you know you've got this. You're here, you're resourceful, and you are getting the information that you need. And on the days when nothing seems to be going right, remember there's always great experts like Scott to help us And of course, there's always tomorrow. Parenting is the ultimate do-over. And there will be moments of doubt. There will be moments of questioning. But please know that you are 10 times the parent you think you are. Until next time, this is Dr. Robin Silverman with How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Please tune in again and keep connecting through conversation. See you next week.